Well, good morning, everybody. I have been assigned the task here this morning of covering six chapters in two weeks as a part of our First Samuel series as we look to uh, wrap it up later this summer. And so I'm talking about uh, despair and darkness today, and that's kind of what I felt like on Monday when I sat down with uh, three chapters worth of material to sort through to write a message. But a lot happens with David in these six chapters, more than we can cover, of course, in two weeks. But uh, remember that David has fled in order to escape from Saul, who is trying to kill him. And David becomes a bit of a, a nomad or fugitive, kind of constantly on the run from trouble. But I want to zero in on just a few verses that I believe really tell the story of this season in David's life. So now let's stand and read a few verses here. As always, you can bring your Bibles with you, encourage you to do so, um, particularly when we're in a series, but also we have them on the back table to either use while you're here or just take with you as a gift. But we're going to start in chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, and then I'm going to read chapter 23, 14 and 15. Uh, as kind of summarizing a little bit of what happens to David here. So chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. And all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. Chapter 23, verses 14 and 15. David stayed in the wilderness, strongholds, and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, my title this morning sounds like a sitcom series is Dave in the Cave Surviving Darkness and Despair. Let's just take a moment to think about what has happened to David. David has done almost everything right so far. Remember, he defeated Goliath. He's riding this wave of success and popularity. He's a national hero. It looks like he will be king any day now. And then unexpectedly, almost overnight, he's now running for his life. Suddenly, he loses his job, his income, his marriage, his family, his mentor, Samuel. He has to leave his best friend, Jonathan, and he goes from people singing songs about him to being a fugitive on the run, living in caves in a foreign land and hanging out in the deserts. I mean, David, God's anointed and chosen one, is living in caves 
in the wilderness to escape from Saul. So if if it was this way for David, a man after God's own heart, God's chosen king and the chosen family line from which he would bring forth the Messiah, if David had to spend time in the cave and learn how to survive the despair of darkness, might it be that we also will at some point experience the darkness of the cave in our Christian discipleship? We will all spend time in the cave. But what is the cave? Well, the cave is the valley of discouragement, the darkness of despair, a place where we wonder like David, has God forgotten me? Like, What has happened to my life? The cave of our life, it could be a number of things. It could be a lost job, the shattered dreams of your ideal family life, loss of a spouse or a breakdown of a marriage, a shocking diagnosis, a broken friendship, right? The cave is where you feel like everything is crashing down upon you and closing in on you. Have you ever been in the cave? Could be a season of, you know, depression or perpetual discouragement where all hope feels lost. But whatever the case is, the reality is we will probably all spend a season in the cave. And the question isn't whether or not we'll experience the despair and darkness of the cave. The question is, how will we respond? Tragedy strikes our family. A marriage falls apart. A child rebels. We're on the brink of financial ruin. Our mental state is in chaos. We're in the cave. What are we going to do? But more importantly, will we let God into the cave to do His work? Because here's the biblical truth. God does some of His greatest work work in the cave, if we let him. And David does let him. And so this week, as well as next, when we look at the next three chapters, I'm going to explore what we can learn from David in this season of life, living in the cave, as well as dwelling in the desert. And today, I want us to see how David first finds comfort from God in the cave, And then second, how he turns his brokenness into beauty. So first, let's talk about finding comforts in the cave. Experiencing God as refuge. In case you don't know, uh, David wrote a majority of the Psalms in the Bible, which are songs to and about God from the depths of his heart. And one of David's main ways of describing God throughout the Psalms is as a refuge. Psalm 31, he writes, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, 
Keep me from the trap that is set for, for me, for you are my refuge. In Psalm 59, verse 16, uh, and the superscription above the psalm explains that this was a time when Saul sent men to kill David. That's the context of David writing this. And David says, but I will sing of your strength. In the morning I will sing of your love, for you are my fortress, my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. So I think the, the truth and the lesson here is sort of obvious, even if difficult, that we can't experience God as our refuge, our shelter in times of trouble, if we've never experienced trouble. Those who are in need of a shelter are those who are experiencing the cold night and the darkness of the cave. And the truth is, most of our, our spiritual growth will come in these times of difficulty and suffering. And that's when we often come to Christ in the first place, right? When life is falling apart, we're in the darkness of the cave of life. I mean, let's be honest, I've seen hundreds of people come in here and commit their life to Christ or rediscover their faith in God, weep and become overcome by God's grace and forgiveness, discover God as their refuge, as their shelter, as their safety. And it's basically always people who are in great pain. I mean, I'm not saying it can't happen. Nothing is impossible for God. But I've never seen someone drive in here in their new Tesla, fresh off of a month of their vacation home in Hawaii, feeling at peace and great about life, and come in and say, how can I be saved? It's not normally the perfect family with the well-behaved children, with parents who are like, man, we're just rocking this parent thing. I mean, this is so easy. And they're just excelling in every part of life, and they come in and say, you know, we're missing something. We need God or come forward for prayer. It's not normally those situations. Now, I look at the baptism wall out there in the hallway, and I know most of those stories. And they're almost all people who walked in here and cried uncontrollably for the first six weeks who are brokenhearted, who weren't sure what to do, where to turn, but in their pain in the cave, they found and experienced the refuge of a loving God. I think of the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. He says, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. The Apostle Paul says, we wanted to die. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happens, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. See, Paul understood that it is in the cave that we learn to rely on and find comfort in God. When we run to God's presence in our pain, then the cave, which at first feels like a place of darkness and danger, it becomes instead a place of safety and refuge because 
we realize God is with us in the cave. And it's only when all the things we've relied on or hoped in are stripped away and we're left with only God that we can learn that God is truly enough for us. I mean, when, when David wrote Psalm 23, right, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He didn't write it while sipping a latte on his ocean view deck, while his wife was cooking his favorite breakfast, and as his kids got along gleefully without supervision in the backyard. He wrote that through the pain of losing a child. Seeing his wife married off to another man by someone who hated him. Losing his best friend. All the pain of life. John Ortberg says this. He says, who you are, the test of your character is not based on how you respond when things go well. It's how you respond when you're in the valley of discouragement. So friends, here's what I've both seen and experienced in my life in ministry. Is that when life is going great, just the way I want it, my heart is often less tender toward God and less compassionate toward others, right? I start to feel self-sufficient, prideful, more judgmental towards those who are not doing well like me. And so suffering can almost be received as a grace in our lives, an opportunity for spiritual growth as we submit to the sovereign mystery of God. And part of why it works this way is that, you know, God is more concerned with maturing us than shielding us from all pain, right? His main concern is to make us holy more than to make life as easy as possible. For God knows that often out of the cave comes something beautiful. And so the second lesson from David's experience is that, that we turn brokenness into beauty, and it results in ministry out of or from the cave. Look how God begins to use David's cave experience almost immediately to minister to others as David allows him. So again, chapter 22, verses 1 and 2 says, David left Gath and he escaped to the cave. And what happens immediately? And all those who were in distress or in debt, or discontented, gathered around him, and he became their commander. Isn't that so interesting? See, although God does not intend pain and suffering for us, meaning God is not the author of tragedy or evil. He does not take people from us. He does not cause cancer. He does not want severed relationships and broken families. He does not orchestrate our identity being stolen or a freak injury or illness at an inconvenient time in life. He doesn't desire these things. They're the result of a broken and fallen world and sometimes even our own choices. 
but He can and will still use them for our goods if we let Him to form and shape and test our character and ultimately to help us to minister to others. I mean, I don't think God wanted Saul to become insanely jealous and want to kill David so that David had to go hiding in caves in the deserts. That wasn't God's ideal plan, but you better believe he used David's time in the cave to prepare him for what he had ahead. And if we had the chance to interview David, I'm pretty sure he would say, if I had the choice, I wouldn't trade my time in the cave. For that's where God formed me and shaped me and prepared me for the calling that I have. See, God's plan, and I would add my job as a pastor, is not always to take away people's pain. It's to help them see and find God in their pain and then be able to share their pain and bless others through it the way David does here. I mean, his heart, it grows for the distressed and the discontented, others who are in the cave of life, just as he himself is experiencing his own distress and hurts. As some of you know, uh, I suffer from what is best described as persistent depressive disorder, uh, basically just chronic depression, right? Always feeling low. And with getting, you know, proper help and the right medication over the years, I'm now what you might call a, a high-functioning uh, depressive. But before getting proper help, back in 2015, I found myself in the depths of despair, nearly immobilized, honestly sort of hanging on for dear life, quite literally. I was in the deep darkness of the cave, and it was shattering for me. Right? I'd try to reason with God, God, how can I lead your church when I'm feeling this way? God, do you know how much more effective I could be? What a better job I could do if you would just take this away from me? Right? But honestly, it's all kept me closer to God. And you know, if it's choosing between no darkness and despair in the cave, but struggling with pride, arrogance, lack of reliance on God, or the darkness of the cave, but being dependent on God, desperately needing Him to get through each day, being more compassionate toward others, then I choose the latter. And in a perfect world, you know, I would just be so holy that I would be the person God wants me to be without any trials, without any suffering, without time in the cave, but this is not yet a perfect world. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, Praise be to God who comforts us in all our troubles, right? Not necessarily takes away all our troubles, who comforts us in all our troubles so that, and it's a purpose clause in the Greek here, so for the purpose that, meaning this has a purpose, it leads to so that we can then comfort those in any trouble 
with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. In other words, we can't minister to those in the cave if we haven't been in the cave ourselves. But if you allow God into the darkness and despair of the cave, into those hurts and wounds, and allow His healing, it has the potential to become one of your greatest ministries to others if you let God, just as it was for David. I mean, let's face it, without the cave, there is no Psalm 23, which has comforted hundreds of millions of people for over 2,000 years. And the ultimate example of all of this, of life in the cave, and then being able to understand and sympathize with others is Jesus himself. And so that's where I want to close, with Christ in the cave. Part of the beauty of the Christian gospel was that Jesus himself, quite literally, experienced the darkness of the cave so that we would never doubt that he is with us in the cave. The current consensus from all the, the recent historical evidence and research and ancient tradition is that Jesus was actually born in a cave, which was the common place for a, a makeshift stable for a poor farmer who couldn't afford a proper stable. So there's Jesus, born out in the cold and darkness of a cave, to very young parents, birthed in a difficult situation among animals and strangers in an unsafe, unsanitary environment. And it is in that cave, what looked like a hopeless situation, that the hope of the world and light of the world was born and ultimately our redemption made possible. And then where was Jesus' body buried after feeling abandoned and being crucified by the people? In a cave. But what came out of that cave? Resurrection life. And the gospel teaches us that the cave is never the end of the story, right? The cave is temporary for all who hope in Jesus will experience resurrection life. And so I know there is just unimaginable, almost unbearable amount of pain and unspeakable tragedy in this world, in people's lives, and in this room. So many fragile and broken hearts and souls, so much dysfunction in our world, so much hurt caused by others. But I want you to know that you're not alone in the cave. We're here with you. And most importantly, Jesus is with you in the cave. And there's almost nothing more beautiful than someone who is regularly bringing their pain and, yes, even all their questions and frustrations into the presence of God and into conversation with God the way David does here. So let me just close by taking you to Psalm 142 as the band's comes up. And the superscription here 
tells us it's a psalm and prayer of David when he was in the cave. So David literally wrote this in the cave. And what does he do? He says, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me, set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. If you're in the cave, if you're in the despair of darkness, cry aloud to the Lord like David's. Pour out your heart, tell him your trouble, call out for God to be your refuge and praise his name. And if you need to know God is your refuge this morning, remember that he is near to the brokenhearted and the humble in heart. And I encourage you as we respond in this song to maybe come forward and find a place to pray or kneel or maybe it's at your seat, but we'd love to, to even lay a hand on you and, and bring comfort and pray and sing about God our refuge. But we're going to respond through song and we're going to just minister to one another. And maybe you've been through the darkness and despair of the cave and you've experienced God as refuge. Well, you might Spend this time asking God, God, how can I use the comfort I've received from you in the cave? Maybe you're not in the cave right now in this season in your life, but God, how can I comfort others who are in the cave? Because I promise you there's a lot of people around you who are definitely in the cave. God, how can you use me to bring comforts, to show them, to point them to God, their refuge? So let's stand. If you want to come forward, this is a safe place. This is an open place to just cry out to God, to voice your frustrations, your pain, to be prayed for, to be ministered to. We're going to respond in this song, and then we'll give some more direction after that as well as dismiss. But let's welcome God, our refuge, into this moment. And let's respond the way the Spirit is asking us to do. going to God in the darkness and despair of the cave saying Lord you are my refuge let's declare that this morning